All right. I will invite those of you who are still in here to take your copy of God's Word or grab one out of the pew that's in front of you and uh, open it up to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Very, very, very familiar passage of Scripture. Now, as we've just seen together, baby dedication is really more about the parents than it is about the baby, right? The dedication, you notice our questions weren't of the children. The questions that we asked were of the adults, right? We, we, we ask these questions uh, gathering with these adults, recognizing that their coming before us is more about them and their commitment to do what the Lord would call them to do as Christian parents than it is about the babies. The charge is not aimed at the baby, but the parents, And again, simply put, just by way of reminder, the charge is to live out and to teach the truths of Scripture to their children in order that God might use those parents for the purpose of bringing that child to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things Pastor Paul prayed for as he prayed was he was just talking about, I don't even remember exactly what uh, the, 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 the adjective that he used was, but he talked about the awesome privilege, the awesome responsibility to be parents. Um, I can honestly tell you, it's, I think it is the greatest privilege, uh, but it's also the most terrifying. That's what I think you said. <laughs> terrifying. You know, I remember when Joy was born, you guys have all heard the story, I bawled like a baby. I mean, I bawled like a baby. That's my oldest. And I mean, I cried when they were all born, but it was different with Joy because she was the first. And, and as awesome as that was, I want to be honest with you too, and it still is, it's, it was incredibly scary, right? Because in, in my wife having a baby girl that was being entrusted into our care was God letting me know that he was entrusting another human being into my care. And it isn't just about, when I say mine, I mean our care. And it wasn't just about making sure that the kid had food to eat and a home to sleep in. Yes, that matters. But the primary responsibility that Bible-believing, Christ-following parents have is to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And it's hard. It's scary. I don't, I don't ever stand up here and pretend to be somebody who says following Jesus and all that it encompasses is easy. It's hard enough when I have to do things and make decisions for my own life. When you have kids, you have to make decisions for their lives. So it's not something that we just say, oh, sweet. We got a baby. It's there's an understanding that comes with saying like Paul prayed about just the miracle, the preciousness of the gift of life. And as a parent, God gave that life to you to nurture. Now this took what? Eight, maybe ten minutes. Some pictures were taken, right? Some questions were asked, some responses were given. This task of raising a child is so much greater than what we could ever begin to unpack in a few minutes of a child dedication service. 
But yet we want to communicate the reality that we want to work together as a faith family. Because the families that stood up here this morning, all of their kids were young. Some were babies, some were three, four, five. It's been a number of years since we had one, a baby dedication or a child dedication service. And I want you to understand something. My kids are older than every kid that was up here. But my kids are not as old as some of your kids. And the way that God has designed this thing to work is that a faith family together, right, would love one another, would encourage one another, would challenge one another and hold one another accountable, right? Because some of you have experiences as parents I don't have. And I have experiences that some of these families up here this morning don't have. And God designs it to be such that they're not doing this alone. And those of you who have been through it, I pray you didn't do it alone. Because God designed this idea of a, of a family of like-minded believers, a, a body that we call Dale Bible Church, to work together to help and aid these parents in raising children who would love and live for Jesus. This is the task. And if you think the task of parenting is a big deal, just think about that. The goal is to raise people who think for themselves, because no matter how old your kid is, uh, they think for themselves. And so you're trying to impart into these children that the greatest ambition in their life is to grow into a young person and then an adult who loves and lives for Jesus. This is a monumental task. And we weren't created to do it alone, not just with our body of believers, okay, but we're going to see this morning the reality that Christ has promised to be with parents who take up this task. This passage of scripture we're familiar with, we call it the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And you might be thinking, the Great Commission a baby dedication? What does the Great Commission go there for and make disciples of all nations, teaching them, baptizing, excuse me, baptizing them, teaching them all that I've commanded you? What does this have to do? And I mean, you could see the, the, the charge there, like it, it kind of makes sense, but I mean, surely there's better text for a baby dedication, right? Well, maybe, but it's not the one that we're going to look at this morning. But I want you to understand, as you think about what does the Great Commission have to do with a baby dedication, I would submit that if you don't believe that the Great Commission applies to your role as a parent, then it has nothing to do with a baby dedication. But if you view the Great Commission as first a command to be carried out in your home, amongst your family, if God has led such a way that you have a family and you have children, if you view the command to make disciples to be carried out first and foremost within your home, then you recognize that the Great Commission has everything to do with a baby dedication service. It has everything to do with raising a family that loves and lives for Jesus. The greatest task that God could give to a person is the task of raising a child in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Teaching them the ways of the Lord, living out the truth of the gospel, seeking to be agents of change in the lives of their children. You see, this is the heart of the Great Commission. And it applies just as much in our homes 
if not more, than it does to the furthest parts of the globe. I want you to understand something very practically. If you don't make disciples in your home, you won't make them abroad. If you don't make disciples in your home, you won't make them in your community. If you don't make disciples in your home, you will not be concerned with making disciples in the body of Christ. The whole reality of a child dedication and the responsibility is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to understand something, because yes, this is a baby dedication, and we want to heed the command of Jesus together this morning, but there's a reality that some of you are sitting here this morning saying, maybe my children are all grown, maybe we just don't have children, maybe I'm not married, maybe I'm single, whatever it may be, you may be thinking, okay, Bible dedication, I want you, or child dedication, I want you to understand something. All of these principles apply to your life, period. It isn't just about kids, right? It's, it's about this reality of living under the authority of Jesus as we strive and seek to make disciples for his glory. So if you deal with people, though you may not have a child per se, there's a lot to be learned this morning. So if you have a child, or if you don't have a child, if you're not married, don't check out. Stay with me and pray. Take a second right now and just pray that God would challenge your heart this morning to how you can employ these realities of making disciples, even if you, maybe you don't have kids or your kids are grown. But I want to look together at our text in Matthew chapter 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray together as we begin. Father, such a familiar passage of Scripture. Go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them. We know it. We know it like the back of our hands, many of us. But God... We often neglect it. God, we often neglect it in the most immediate of context in our lives, and that is our homes. And so challenge our hearts today, God. I pray that, God, there be families here today that maybe they weren't up front and maybe they weren't officially dedicating their children to the Lord, but God, may today, maybe this is the day when there's parents sitting here who think, Man, we have not raised our kids under the authority of Jesus for his glory. And God, help, help us to do that. God, I would pray for those parents today. I would pray that you would challenge and stir hearts to that end today. God, I pray for our families. I pray for the families that make up Dale Bible Church, that first and foremost, we would understand that this call to make disciples, it begins in our homes. God, that if we're going to make disciples for your glory outside of our homes, we must be doing it within our homes. Help us, God, not to neglect the relationships that are of most importance. Again, stir and challenge our hearts today, God, but we pray that no no matter what you do today, we pray that you would be glorified in doing it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The very first thing you see in this passage, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission is the fact that Jesus has all authority. 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus, and he is entrusting it to those who know him. Okay? He is entrusting his authority. Terry, I don't know where my clicker is, so I might need you to help me this morning. Oh, it's right here. <laughs> Psych. Uh, thank you. Jesus has all authority, and he's entrusting it to believers, and that includes parents in their role of parenting. So Jesus has given authority to the parent. Everything that you and I do as a parent should be done under the understanding that we are acting on behalf of the king of the universe. Let's just stop there for a second. As a parent, especially if you name the name of Jesus, if you name the name of Jesus, I hope you've recognized this. As a parent, whether you name the name of Jesus and have not recognized this, it's still true, okay? But as a parent who names the name of Jesus, everything that you do is an act on behalf of the king of the universe. So don't ever think... What you do as a parent doesn't matter. Don't ever think the role that you have been given is insignificant. You are an ambassador for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and your life is to be lived for His glory and and lived underneath His authority. And in the context of our conversation today, that means that you parent under the authority of Jesus. You parent under the authority of Jesus. We've talked much already about the task, the difficulty of being a parent, right? The reality is what makes being a parent so difficult ultimately is sin, the presence of sin in our lives, the presence of sin in the lives of our children, the presence of sin in the world that we live in. But it's also difficult because You and I don't have the ability or the power in and of ourselves to raise our children right. I have no problem saying that this morning. If you raise or raised your children underneath your own powers and your own authority and your own abilities, you most likely did not raise your child to the glory of God. Because you can't do it without him. We cannot work to glorify God through the means that he's given us without him. So we can't parent on our own. But the good news is we have been given the authority of Jesus in our parenting and as we parent our children. But I want us to understand something this morning about the authority of Jesus in our lives. Whether it be how we parent Maybe how we treat coworkers, how we deal with anyone day to day. Jesus' authority is not a means by which we operate however we would like to and claim to do it with the authority of Jesus. Parents, if you would identify your home as a Christian home, but you operate under principles like do what I say, not what I do, you are harming your child's ability to grow to be like Jesus. You are abusing the authority that Jesus has given you to parent. You see, we cannot parent in ways that are contrary to the revealed word of God and tell our children that they should do what we say because we're the parent. 
If your goal as a parent is to stoke the flames of your child's heart to love Jesus, you don't have to abuse your authority as a parent because ultimately you can appoint them to the authority that is Jesus. But you see, the conflict comes when we don't live out what we say we believe as parents operating under the authority of Jesus. And then our kids grow up and they don't, they don't respect authority, period. And they surely don't expect or respect the authority of Jesus, Because they've spent 18, 20, 22 years seeing it abused. So we don't parent in ways that are contrary to what God's word tells us. Because the authority of Jesus is never a means to do what we want or to be how we want or to be what we want as parents. All followers of Jesus, not limited to parents, but including parents, should make it their aim to live out the gospel, seeking to make disciples of their children. What about their children's friends? They come into their home, the opportunities for influence, and anybody else that we come in contact with. You see, a reality that is both scary but comforting is that you and I, parents this morning, We do not have the ability, ultimately, to make a disciple out of anyone. It has always been and always will be God who does the transforming work. But understand, parents, how you represent that authority as a parent, uh, you know, the authority in the home and somebody who would claim to be following Jesus makes a difference. You know, I think the reality, I've, and I've asked folks this question before. You know, a lot of people would say that they love Jesus. A lot of people that I have conversation with and we navigate situations in life with, a lot of things that we do, I would ask people, I would say, you know, we talk about following Jesus and they say, oh yeah, you know, I'm a believer. I'm a believer, X, Y, Z, A, B, C. And you know what I lo- the question that I love to follow up with if they have kids is this question right here. Well, I will ask them first, but do you love Jesus and usually without fail, they'll say yes, because they understand that it's, you know, it's damning to their case to say no. And then I would ask them, what if I asked your kids if you loved Jesus? What would they say? It hits a little different, don't it? Because now the people that God has entrusted to our care are examining our lives, how we carry ourselves, how we conduct our homes, the things that we say, the ways that we treat people, everything about our life, the people who know us most intimately, those who live within the walls of the home that we are creating, they are now given the opportunity to say, yeah, dad really does love Jesus. Or, no. We go to church. But Sunday by about noon, God is out the picture. But you best believe next Sunday by 10, he's back in the picture. This is not how Jesus intends parents to live out the authority that he has given them as parents. By the authority that Jesus has given us, though God has to do the transformation, under his authority, we are ambassadors. 
Somebody who speaks on behalf of someone else. Parents, you speak to your children on behalf of the God of the universe. You thought about that? This is a, it's a great task. So we're ambassadors of this saving grace that's found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what we do with the authority of Jesus in our lives. First, we live under it. We live under the authority of Jesus, recognizing it for what it is, the authority. Tell y'all something. The word of God is not concerned with how you feel as a parent. And that's not to diminish what some of you may be going through. But we cannot reduce our circumstances and how we relate to them to how we feel or what we think or what we like. The authority of God is to be lived under in all facets of our lives, including parenting. What does God's word say about this? I'm going to tell you something. It talks about parenting. But God's word is not a a self-help book. It's not 21 days to being a better parent in God's word. God's word, as we talked this morning in our men's study downstairs, is a revelation from one cover to the other cover of the God of the universe, the men within that universe, and how it is that we relate to him. And the task that we've been given in relating to him, if he so chooses to bless us with children, is then to help them do the same thing, rightly relate to God. So we must live under the authority of God in our lives. And as we live under the authority, we must live out the authority. So we understand that we parent because Christ has called us to, and he's the authority in doing so. But how we parent matters because he's, he's called us to do it, and he's told us how to do it. So we live under the authority, and we live out the authority. So I want to ask you a couple questions. Does how you view authority do good or does it do harm to the authority of Jesus in your children's lives? Because whether you realize it or not, how you view authority will absolutely shape how your children do. And how you carry out authority will shape how your children view authority. Authority. Do you parent under your own authority? Or do you parent under a better, more perfect authority? That is the authority of Christ. Jesus' expectation for his followers is that his authority would not be used for selfish promotion or accomplishment, but that it would be used for the purpose of fulfilling the task that he has given to parents. And Jesus, no doubt, undoubtedly, no question, has a task for a parent. There's a great irony in the task that Jesus has left for those who follow him. As a parent, Jesus has given the task that parents would make disciples of their children. But it is of greatest importance that we not mistake this task as solely our own, right? This goes back to the authority reality. Because in and of ourselves, we cannot make disciples of Jesus Christ in our children. 
None of us have the ability to save anyone, not ourselves, not our children, not our children's children. But Christ does have the ability to save us, our children, and our children's children. And not only does he have the power to do so, he has the desire and the willingness to do so. So we have to accept this reality. When we think about a task, that our our task isn't as much make our children followers of Jesus. Yes, we're called to make disciples. How? By teaching them all that Jesus commanded. Our task isn't as much to save in and of itself as it is to, as we've already talked about, be an ambassador for Jesus so that he can save our children and our children's children. And so most of us would acknowledge this morning our inability to make disciples in and of ourselves, right? Like we we understand that we can't do this. But do we live our lives in such a way that the one who can like, make a true disciple and save our children has opportunity to do so. Because that's our task. Are people going to hear what we have to say about Jesus with openness because it matches what our lives represent? We can say whatever we want. I could tell one of you today, let's say you need a new roof on your house. And I could tell you I can do that job for this much money and I'll put a roof on your house and it's guaranteed not to leak. And that'd be great, wouldn't it? Until I tried to put a roof on your house. And it leaked. And it snowed and you were cold and you were wet and you had all these problems. See, the reality is you know what I'm capable of. You know what I truly believe and understand based on what I do or I'm capable of doing. So if I know and understand that it's Jesus who ultimately has to save my children, but I've been given this task of rightly representing them to him, then I want to live my life in such a way that they would see, as we've already talked about, that I love Jesus. That he makes a difference in my life and that the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is real. That it makes dead things alive, right? That it changes hearts and lives, If I don't live as though I have been changed by the power of the gospel, I cannot be faithful to the task of helping my kids to see that the gospel changes hearts and lives. If you're not willing to act like you're saved, don't say you are. Now, we're not called to be perfect. There's opportunities in my home all the time to talk about God's grace because I screwed something up. But when those opportunities present themselves, do I use those opportunities to demonstrate my need for Jesus so that my kids can come to understand their need for Jesus? Or do I just, you know, push it under the rug and push it to the side? Let me ask you something, parents. When was the last time you apologized to one of your kids? I mean, look, that's the rubber meeting the road. I can talk about the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, but if my kids don't think that I know I need the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, guess what they're going to grow up and conclude? They don't need it either. 
And the evidence of my understanding of the need of God's grace in my life is that when I screw something up, when I'm, you know me, I don't care what the reason is, maybe I'm having a bad day, so I bit Joy's head off when I came home. I responded to her sharply. Do I go back and own that? Am I willing to take responsibility because I want my kids to see that the grace of God doesn't make us perfect, but it does make us honest? Will I own when I screw up and when I'm a hindrance to the completion of the task that Christ has given to me? If I'm not willing to and I don't own up to it, then I am actually a hindrance to the task. So our lives, our actions, they must align with what we say. Parents, I want you to understand something. You can drag your kid to this building seven days a week if you want. You can make them sit in the pews and you can make them listen to somebody talk about Jesus. You can make them read their Bible, okay? But what dragging them here and making them go through X, Y, Z, and ABC will never accomplish what just living like you love Jesus will accomplish. I'm not minimizing the importance of the church. That's why we just did what we did. But ultimately, parents, the church, excuse me, the parent has been entrusted by Christ to raise their children, not the church. The church is a supplement to the parents. That's why we do what we did this morning. So parents, do we live like what we say? We tell our kids that Jesus matters when we drag them to church, but when we're not at church, do our lives suggest that Jesus matters? If the task that Jesus has given is to make disciples of our children, then this is the most important task. And please hear me when I say this. The things that I'm about to mention are not bad in and of themselves. But are they the barometer by which you determine how well you're doing as a parent? I I just want you to ask yourself this question. Are the things that I'm getting ready to say the things that you first and foremost point to as you determine how successful you are in faithfully obeying what God has called you to do as a parent? Is the barometer your child's accomplishments? How much energy and effort goes into ensuring that your kids get certain grades? You ready for the next one? That your kid makes a certain sports team. That your kid is a part of a certain club at school. What about the, the brand of your child? Is your child's brand the barometer by, well you, by how, well, how you determine how well you are doing as a parent? And when I say brand, I mean, do you gain confidence in your parenting when your kids become part of the National Honor Society? We did a good job. They made it. Do you find that you view yourself as successful when your kids are involved in local projects in the community? To better answer these questions, I want you to think of it this way. What do you spend most of your time trying to cultivate in your children? Their education, their athletic abilities, or their love for Jesus? I couldn't give a care less if your kid's on the honor roll. I couldn't give a care less 
if your kid reaches the highest of accomplishments athletically. What I do care about, and I pray is your greatest care as a parent, is whether or not your kid loves Jesus. Because the reality is, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to school and work hard. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do your best when you participate in athletics. But you know how long all that stuff's going to last? Till you breathe your last breath. And then it means nothing. Y'all know who Tom Brady is, right? The most successful NFL quarterback ever. Nobody at any position in the NFL has won more Super Bowls than he has at the hardest position in the NFL, the quarterback. And a number of years ago, leading up to one of the Super Bowls, he did an interview on 60 Minutes, and he was talking about all of his accomplishments. And you know what Tom Brady said? Tom Brady said, at the end of the day, if this is all that there is, so what? I'm paraphrasing. That wasn't exactly how he said it. But what the most successful NFL player in all of football history said is if at the end of the day, all I have is football accomplishments, then I really don't have anything. And you know what the irony of his statement is? He just continued on that path, now has a broken family, right? His wife, him and his wife, you probably saw, you know, it's all in the news when Tom Brady and Giselle got divorced. What matters most? Enough Super Bowl rings for every finger? Like, that's the height of athletic accomplishment. And Tom Brady got on TV and told the world, I'm unsatisfied. Parents, if you stoke your children only to their athletic and academic success, you will leave them unsatisfied in life. Because we were created for more than A-pluses and touchdowns. And so if you answer the question that I just, the last question I posed, honestly, what does the majority of your time and focus and energy as a parent go towards in in cultivating things in your child, their education, their athletic abilities, or their love for Jesus? If you'll answer that question honestly, I want you to know and understand that says a lot about what you view as most important in your task of parenting and making disciples for Christ. You see, following Jesus has come with some insight from Jesus himself. If we're going to make disciples, then we must seek to make disciples in the way that Jesus has commanded us to, right? And so Jesus, he's given us this task, but he's also given us a means for accomplishing the task of a parent. I'm so thankful that God calls us to nothing that he doesn't equip us to complete. Yeah, that's the good news this morning. As terrifying as being a parent is, you have not been called to do it by yourself. Jesus says of the task to make disciples that the disciple makers are to teach what Jesus has commanded them. And what had Jesus commanded them at this point? Everything that his followers were to teach was wrapped up in two things. Parents, everything that you are to teach your children, obviously it fleshes out itself in different ways, but it's wrapped up in two things. Matthew 22, and he said to them when he was asked, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
The best way to accomplish the task that Jesus has given to his followers and especially to parents is to love God. And I don't just mean a little. I mean a lot. I'm not just talking about going to church on Sunday. I'm talking about there being no doubt, as we've alluded to, in your kid's mind that you love Jesus above everything else. And secondly, you love other people. Because your love for other people flows out of your love for Christ. If you don't love Jesus, you're going to have a really hard time loving other people. Because if you don't love Jesus, God's word would tell us, you can't really understand what love is. And if you can't really understand what love is, you're surely going to have a hard time loving people. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to take a step further. That includes your kids. You will probably never meet anyone more selfish in your entire life, well, except for yourself, than your kids. Moms, you know what I'm talking about, right? When your kids are born, and they wake up in the middle of the night, and you got to get them and feed them. It's, you know, God created women to be able to accomplish that task. Men, you can help with that, you know. If your baby will take a bottle, let your wife sleep sometimes. That was just a plug for moms. But think about a baby. A baby comes out of the womb crying. Why do babies cry? Because they need something. They're cold. They're hot. They're hungry. They went to the bathroom in their diaper. Whatever it is. Right? Listen, children can be hard to love. I mean, I love my kids. Like, they bring me so much joy. And sometimes I just want to run my head through a wall. Doesn't mean I don't love my kids, but that's the reality, right? The reality is that loving other people can be hard. So we make loving Jesus our priority in order that we can be better equipped and prepared to love others, including our children. If you want to be faithful to make disciples or to be used of God to make disciples of your children, Right Then you got to be faithful to the commands of Scripture as a whole. And Jesus said, love your, the Lord God first, period. We're done there. Yeah, but, yeah, but, no. Love God, love people. Go. If you want your kids to love Jesus, you need to love Jesus. God can work in spite of you. Um, he did in my home. Many of you know my dad is one of my best friends, so I don't say that in a, in a negative context. Um, but I was actually the first one in my family to trust Christ. Uh, my parents would trust him after I did. Um, and God worked in my family in spite of how I was raised. Um, but again, you think about this reality. If you want your kids to love Jesus, then you need to love Jesus. One time uh, at a previous church, I was a youth pastor. I had a parent come up to me after a Sunday morning service. I had preached this Sunday for some reason, don't know why. And uh, maybe it was a baby dedication. No, I'm just kidding. And um, uh, I had preached this Sunday morning, and this mom come up to me after the service, and she had a young man. She was a single mom, and she had a young man, and he was, he was kind of difficult. I mean, you could just be honest with you guys. Like, it, was, it was difficult, and, and uh, he had you know, some behavioral issues, and he, he was suffering the plight of being raised by a single mom. 
But she come to me this Sunday morning, and, and, and again, there's more context. You know, we've dealt with these people a number of times, you know what I mean, this family. We've been involved with them, so this wasn't an isolated thing. But she came to me, and she, she said to me in so many words, Pastor Justin, I need you to fix my son. I just want him to love Jesus. And I looked her right in her face, and I said, do you love Jesus? Does he see you love Jesus? When he comes home from school, has he ever seen you with a Bible in your hand? Not to mention the fact that this particular lady, again, attending church isn't the end all and the be all, but it doesn't matter. I don't know. She maybe had been to church six times in the last year. So this lady was expecting that somehow, supernaturally, the people who don't have the influence on her son that she does would do what she's not interested in trying to do. I said to her, if you want him to love Jesus, then love Jesus. When you love Jesus in such a way that it actually changes your life, guess what your kids grow up wanting? the same Jesus that you have. So do you love Jesus? If we asked your friends, your coworkers, your kids, what would they say? Not that you're perfect, but that you love the Savior. Does how you live provide or prevent opportunities for the gospel with your children? The truth is only you, well, and your children, know the answer to these questions. But they're questions that you and I must ask if we really want to do all that the Lord has commanded us when it comes to raising our children. And the last thing I want you to see this morning is Jesus' promise for a parent. As we've noted, this task that we've been called to, it's virtually impossible in our own strength. But we don't have to fret because we've not been called to do it in our own strength. The best part of parenting is knowing that we're not alone. It's the most difficult yet rewarding job of our lives. And if you try to do it by yourself, you've got no shot. But we don't do it alone. God has given us a task and he's promised to be with us throughout the entirety of that task. Teach them all that I... Uh, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And what does he say? And behold, I am with you always. The promise of Jesus is that you don't have to try to do the impossible task by yourself. He is with you for the duration. Not just part of it. Not just when it first starts and you're so in awe of the fact that you have this baby that you're going to do everything right and you're just going to knock it out of the park as a parent and you're going to make sure that your kid has all of the things that you didn't have and that your kid gets treated in all of the ways that you didn't get treated. And let's be honest, that lasts for like, you know, seven minutes and then all of a sudden life hits us. I know I'm not the only parent who has sat down in a nursery with a kid who is crying next to me in a crib or a bassinet or whatever and thought, I can't do this. I know I'm not the only one who has felt overwhelmed by the prospect of being entrusted with a human being. But we don't have to be overwhelmed. You will be overwhelmed if you try to do it alone. 
I, I, I don't even have to ask the circumstances, the context, or you tell me anything about your situation. You try to raise kids on your own power, you're going to be overwhelmed. Now, the season might pass because by God's grace, at some point, your kids will grow up into adults and leave the home. But it's overwhelming if you try to do it alone. But God's promised to be with us. He is fully aware what parents have been called to and the difficulties that come with it. This is why he's with us. This is why we we rest in the promise that we're not alone. And I want to finish. I want to consider with the words of Paul David Tripp. A number of years ago, he wrote a book entitled Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. And the very last paragraph of the book, not counting appendices, says this. This book has been an elaborate discussion of one thing. God's call to you to be an essential part of his mission of rescue of the children that he has given to you. But it has not been just about the mission that he has sent you on, but all about the fact that he has gone with you. He doesn't ask you to do what you can't do, and he is eternally willing to do what only he can do. So he blesses you with his presence, power, wisdom, and grace. He faithfully parents you so that by his faithful grace, you can faithfully parent your children. In every moment of parenting, the wise heavenly father is working on everybody in the room. You are blessed to be chosen to go on the mission of missions, and you are blessed with his grace so that every day your parenting would be dyed with the most powerful force of change in the universe, mercy. God promises his presence. And for a parent to be the parent that God has called them to be, we need his presence. For a parent to be the agent of grace that God has called them to be, they must first know the giver of grace. You can't parent under God's authority if you're, and we've already talked about this, if you're not under God's authority. The truth is, you can merely hope to do a good job attempting to raise your kids without the grace of God present in your life and in theirs, and I promise you it will not go well. So be sure as a parent that you know the grace and mercy of God yourself. Know that you've understood the gospel. That you've trusted Christ for your salvation. That he's parenting you as you parent your children. And as you know and understand the grace and mercy of God for yourself then you can be the agent of grace and mercy that he's called you to be. Knowing that he has given you his authority because he's given you a task and he's given you the means to complete the task. He has promised to give you his presence. I want to finish with one note this morning. Because some of you may be sitting here thinking, I hear that now, but nobody told me that 20 years ago. Nobody told me that 10 years ago or five years ago. And I've really screwed this thing up as a parent. In a room this size with this many people, I'm sure that's somebody's testimony. I want you to know something. It's not too late. It's not too late. I was 27 years old. And one night I got a phone call. It was during youth group. To this day, I believe my dad called me when he did because he knew 
I had youth group. <clears throat> and when I got done with youth group, I had a voicemail from my dad. And uh, you got to understand, I, I didn't grow up in an affectionate home, right? Like, I always knew that my parents loved me, but I've already talked about I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And, and I honestly don't know the number of times that I heard my dad tell me he loved me. Like, it was few. But I knew that he did, right? <clears throat> but everything changed when I was about 27 years old, and I got a phone call from my dad. And I got done with youth group one night, and I listened to this voicemail where my dad told me a couple of things. Number one, he told me he loved me. Number two, he told me how proud of me he was. And number three, he asked for my forgiveness because he had failed me as a parent. You want your kids to know that you believe the power of the gospel is real? It's not too late. It's not too late to pick up the phone. It's not too late to drive by their house. It's not too late to say, I have grown in my understanding and I didn't do everything right. And for that, I am sorry. And I need your forgiveness. And I understand what it means to be forgiven because I'm growing in my understanding of the fact that I have been forgiven by God first and foremost. I don't care what the story is. If there's breath in your lung, and there's breath in your child's, it's not too late. So this morning, some of you needed to hear the charge. This is the task you're in for as a parent of small children. Some of you needed to hear today that, well, my kids are 10, 8, 12, whatever it is, and I got to get, get my priorities right or this is only going to get more difficult. And some of you this morning needed to hear that even though your kids may be adults, they really need to hear that you love them. And that you know you didn't do everything right. And that you would treasure their forgiveness and an opportunity to be a better example of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ.